Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. There once was a shepherd boy who was bored as he sat on the hillside watching the village sheep. To amuse himself, he took a great breath and sang out, Wolf, wolf, the wolf is chasing the sheep. And the villagers came running up the hill to help the boy drive the wolf away. But when they arrived at the top of the hill, they found no wolf. The boy laughed at the sight of their angry faces. Don't cry wolf, shepherd boy, said the villagers, when there's no wolf. And they went grumbling back down the hill. Later, the boy sang out again, wolf, wolf, the wolf is chasing the sheep. To his naughty delight, he watched the villagers run up the hill to drive the wolf away again. And when the villagers saw no wolf, they sternly said, save your frightened song for when there really is something wrong. Don't cry wolf when there is no wolf. But the boy just grinned and he watched them go grumbling down the hill once more. Later, he saw a real wolf prowling about the flock. Alarmed, he leaped to his feet and he sang out as loudly as he could, Wolf, wolf! But the villagers thought he was trying to fool them again. And so they did not come. At sunset, everyone wondered why the shepherd boy had not returned to the village with their sheep. They went up the hill to find the boy. And they found him weeping. There really was a wolf here. The flock has scattered. I cried out, Wolf, why didn't you come? An old man tried to comfort the boy as the villagers walked back to the village. We'll help you look for the lost sheep in the morning, he said, putting his arm around the young man. Nobody believes a liar, even when he is telling the truth. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me here today. Today we are talking about conditioning. The process of training someone to behave in a certain way or to accept certain circumstances. And we're going to talk about this as it relates to this fable that is titled The Boy Who Cried Wolf. Like the boy in the story, covert narcissists set off alarm bells when they are not needed. They stir up drama and trouble when there just isn't any there. And they seem to enjoy this, claiming that they hate drama. They are the first ones to create it. It's almost as though they are bored with life unless there is drama there, and they just enjoy the reactions that they get from everyone else. They feed off of your anger and frustration, off of your reactions to them. They thrive when you are all worked up and upset. They love it when you're back in your fix-it mode to put all the pieces that they blew up back together again. I recently saw a TikTok video and this guy was impersonating a narcissist and he said, you know, as the narcissist, I'm going to belittle you, yell at you, blame you, guilt you, ignore you, snap at you. I'm going to take out all of my frustration on you. And then when you react, when you lose it on me, that's when I'm going to flip the switch. Then I will be calm then I will be satisfied, then I will be happy. I will sit back and relax. Now I can become the good guy. The covert narcissist is going to leave you feeling all worked up and upset, but now they feel better. 
They unloaded all of their negative energy onto you. You just became their emotional dumpster. But all that stinky, yucky garbage stays inside of you. It doesn't just disappear. You carry it around with you all day while they seem to have forgotten everything. Nothing is wrong in their mind. But you're an emotional mess. The story of the boy who cried wolf is a story of conditioning. The first reaction that the village members had was quick. It was on point. They were ready for action. And the boy was amused. The second time, they maintained that quick response, but perhaps with a little less vigor. Now they were more upset with him and stern with him because it had happened again. And the third time, they did not react at all. They became conditioned to overlook the cries of the boy. And ultimately, that upset him because they no longer responded to his cries. A covert narcissist is like the boy in the story. They make a dramatic scene at dinner one evening. You know, they're belittling you because you asked them, you know, maybe to put their phone away. And now they're extremely reactive to you, maybe yelling at you, calling you names, blaming everything on you. Well, this is shocking. And and you've never seen this before. It's so out of character with who you believe that they are. So you react. You know, maybe you fuss back and you, oh my gosh, I just want you to put your phone away so we can visit. Or maybe, you know, you're quick to sweep it under the rug. I'm sorry, I I was wrong, I won't do that again. What you actually do here is not important. What matters is that the covert narcissist now has power over you. You are the one being reactive and hypervigilant. Like the townspeople, you are the one frantically trying to fix this dire situation. Now that you are showing yourself to be the lunatic or at least to be the one that was wrong, the covert narcissist can sit back and relax. Just like in the fable, they get a huge kick out of having that control over you. They triggered this reaction, and they are entertained by it. They may laugh at you, mock at you, belittle you. They may express shock or hurt by your reaction to them. They may tell you that you're the one being out of control. And this, this shows up, let me say this right here, this shows up very early in the relationship. These random explosions that seem to come out of nowhere. And this is during the phase when you still believe them. You still believe in their goodness. You still believe that you're a great match together. And you might even later say, hey, your words really hurt me. And and they might apologize. They might seem to make amends. Oh, you're right. Sorry, that wasn't nice of me. Like the village members telling the boy not to yell wolf when there is no wolf, this seems like such a simple and reasonable request. And they walk away believing that the boy will never do it again. So you walk away from that moment believing it's fixed and that this will never happen again. All seems well in your world again. He said he was sorry. He said he'll never do it again. So, you know, okay, he got his kick out of that, but it's okay. I don't have to worry about it anymore. And you believe him. Well, where does the conditioning come in? Because everything seems good in the relationship. You're rocking along in what you believe is now your peaceful world. And then all of a sudden, it happens again. For a second time, this abusive behavior shows up. And again, over something so minor, as we all know from a relationship with a covert narcissist, and you react yet again. But maybe this time you're not quite as shocked by their behavior. There is some piece of you that goes, you know what, I've seen this before. There is a piece of recognition that happens. This one doesn't catch you completely off guard. The precedent has already been set. You've seen it before, so you're not so stunned this time, and your reaction might not be as intense. 
You're not as hypervigilant to try to fix it. Sure, you go right into fix-it mode, but there's a small element that is familiar now. It's already becoming slightly normalized. When it shows up a third time, something in you changes. You may not like the behavior, and you certainly may want it to stop, but you are no longer reacting to it the same way. There is a piece of you that starts overlooking these smaller blow-ups at this point. You know, well, at least it's not as bad as last time. You, you begin accepting it. You begin normalizing it. This is just the way they are. You begin being conditioned to accept this behavior. You might even convince yourself that things are getting better. You know, it's not as bad as last time. Or, you know, maybe he's quicker to apologize this time. And while you know the behavior is wrong, it could be worse. But the act of standing up for yourself just isn't worth it. The first time the abusive behavior is a shock to your system. Once is too often. I used to think I would never allow someone to treat me this way. But yet look at everything I allowed. They have a way to worm their way back into your graces. They make nice with you, telling you sweet things to show you that they care. They know you love them, and they're confident that this will work. You embrace them, you let them off the hook, accepting their excuses and moving forward with life. Often, and I've said it before, there's something very special about them. They have a special charm or a captivating spell. They know how to make you feel amazing, like you're the luckiest person in the world. So it's very easy to fall prey to their tactics, letting them off the hook. And now think about the second time that they abused you. You'd seen it before. Even though it was only once, it somehow just normalized just a bit. Maybe this is just who they are. Maybe I need to learn to be more sensitive to them. Maybe I need to make sure this environment doesn't happen again to try to keep this from, from coming. It may still be a shock to your system, but you've already started to normalize it by making excuses. You've already accepted this abusive behavior towards you once. Guess what? That makes it easier to do it a second time. Instead of calling it abusive, mean, unacceptable, you wonder what you need to do to help. A behavior that you should never have accepted in the first place, you've now accepted twice. And then it happens again. Now you start seeing this pattern of behavior. You should be stating, this must stop. This has to stop now, and you should be holding them accountable for this abusive behavior. But we don't. So many victims, myself included, do not stand up for ourselves. Instead, their behavior has become normalized with us, and we no longer see it for the massive problem that it is. We make excuses. We start justifying it. We feel pity for them. We blame it on their low self-esteem or their rough childhood. We decide that we can love it out of them. We make all sorts of excuses and work extremely hard to be everything they need. In the midst of all of this, this is actually a form of grief. One of the stages of grief is denial. I lived in denial for years. Denial of my reality. Denial that this behavior was wrong and abusive. Instead, labeling it as normal for them. Conditioning reduces your dramatic reaction to their abusive behavior, causing you to start ignoring that behavior because you've seen it before. It conditions you to put up with it. I can hear the village people saying, oh, there he goes again. I'm not going this time. How about you? You have been conditioned to no longer react, to not hold them accountable for their behaviors. You reach a point of apathy. You just don't care anymore. And the boy who cried wolf, the culprit learned his lesson because as a whole town, they were able to call him out on his behavior. 
But covert narcissists do not target a whole town. They target individuals. The narcissist refuses to learn, and instead they firmly hold the belief that everyone else must learn. And the boy who cried wolf, if the, if the boy was coming to one individual, if it was only one individual and saying, hey, there's a wolf out there, I need your help, this individual might be inclined to help. And in fact, if they'd gone from individual to individual, this could have continued forever and ever and ever, and this behavior never have changed for this little guy. With the right individual, the narcissist might be able to convince that person to help many, many times. They might convince that person to react to them over and over and over. This manipulative cycle can continue for years and decades. A healthy response in this fable would be for the individual to say, hey, I tried to help. You're on your own now. You're going to have to figure this out. And leave the boy to use his own energy and his own resources to fix the situation. However, empathic people really struggle with this. We find it extremely difficult to walk away from a hurting or needy individual. We find it nearly impossible to punish someone, to teach them a lesson, to hold them accountable. As the target of the covert narcissist, instead, we take it upon ourselves to fix their problems and their issues, to clean up their messes, to rescue them and do all the work for them. It's a great deal for them, but it's a devastating trap for the victim. The covert narcissist just keeps crying wolf. They continue to unceasingly traumatize their victim. The victim hooks in every time, continuing to embrace the charade until it's finally too much. Maybe the 155th time, I don't know, maybe the 1,001 bee sting. Finally, you reach a point. The battered, beaten down, exhausted spouse finally says, enough. I've had enough. You may be covered in confusion in the midst of this relationship that you're in. You may be struggling to put one foot in front of the other, but you will know when you have reached enough. Listen to your heart. Listen to your system. Listen to your soul. You must learn to put boundaries up for yourself. As we are all caught up in the charm or the appeal of the covert narcissist, we're hooked in their games. We will need the support of the village around us. This is where the townspeople come in. They were the village, and as a village, they were united and able to help that boy. This united town is your community, your friends, your family. And if you don't have either of these, then the support group. I offer support groups. There's other people out there offering support groups. Find a community where they can hold you up when the narcissist continues their game. As a community of survivors and thrivers, we must give ourselves permission to have no care left for them or the games that they play. Your system is tired of responding. Hypervigilance has motivated you for years or decades, and you just don't have any care left. Do not blame yourself for this. The response of the village people was completely justified and understandable, and so is yours. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are CNG as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace 
on your journey of healing.